0: Oral questions by members?
1: Leader of the Official Opposition.
2: Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, after seven years of NDP government, we now have the most unaffordable housing prices in North America and the most expensive rents in all of Canada. The cost of living crisis is so severe that students like Tim Chen actually find it less expensive to fly twice a week from Calgary to Vancouver for their studies. That's right. Believe it or not, rents are so bad under this NDP government that British Columbians are commuting from Calgary. Now, BC United opposition has a plan to fix the NDP housing crisis and bring the dream of home ownership back within reach. How? Well, by introducing our innovative rent-to-own program where rental payments are turned into down payments, where we eliminate the property transfer tax on all first-time buyers, by offering a 99-year lease on public lands at a buck a year. For the private sector not for profits to build below market rental housing, and of course, by removing the provincial sales tax on all new residential construction. So, my question for the Premier is simple. Instead of continuing to add cost to housing, will the Premier cut the property transfer tax in the budget Thursday and save first time buyers thousands and thousands of dollars?
1: Mr. Premier, thank you.
3: Uh, first of all, Happy Lunar New Year. Nice to see everybody back. Welcome back to the Legislature and, uh, and thank you to the member from the Opposition for the question about an issue that's so important to so many British Columbians. You know, when you can't find a decent place to live, that you can afford, nothing else matters. And we need uh, young people in our province to see a future for themselves here. Seniors in our province who help build this place that we love uh, need to be treated with dignity and have a decent place to live. The Leader of the Opposition and I appear to agree on that. Where we part ways, unfortunately, is uh, on a number of important housing policies. Now, I've heard the member talk about his rent-to-own plan, but I've got to ask, rent-to-own what? If he got elected, his plan is to reopen our housing market to speculators. He wants to get rid of the speculation and vacancy tax. This is a tax you only pay if you have a second home that you're leaving vacant. He wants to reopen our houses to short-term Airbnb rentals. He couldn't be more opposed to our changes that are going to open tens of thousands of units right now in the province. He opposes the ability of a, someone who owns a single-family lot or a single-family home to split their home into more than one unit. So. When when you oppose the measures that are actually making homes available, when you invite speculators back in, I mean, it's nothing but window dressing on the other side, Honourable Speaker. We're taking the action. had an amazing announcement with the Federal Government yesterday about building, building middle income housing in this province using public land that people can actually afford to live in.
1: Leader of the Official Opposition. Well,
2: thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. No, actually, Mr. Speaker, where we part way is on results. When I retired from public life, Mr. Speaker, you could buy a two-bedroom, two-bathroom, double garage townhome in Surrey for three hundred and seventy-five thousand. After seven years of NDP government, that same townhouse is now over one million dollars. Now, as victims of his failure, Sarah Stevenson and her husband were forced to move because of sky high housing costs in Vancouver. Sarah says, and I quote, We should have been fine, but it just seemed like every time we started to just about get ahead, something would happen and costs went up again. End of quote. Well, I can tell you, Mr. Speaker, that's why BC United will fix the housing crisis with innovative solutions like rent to own, to give people hope again. Now, when will this premier stop driving folks like the Stevensons out of British Columbia and instead of this big bureaucratic government knows best approach, and instead of delivering a new version of their old housing flub that produced the worst results we've ever seen, when will he adopt practical results like rent to own to help people get into
3: housing? Premier. Well, thank you, uh, Honorable Speaker. You know, I, s- I sat on that side of the house, uh, Honorable Speaker and raise the issue of speculators in our housing market over and over and over again. What did they say when they were on this side of the House? They said, oh, move to, move to Fort St. John if you can't afford life in the Lower Mainland. That was literally what the Premier at the time told British Columbians on behalf of the party that that member used to sit with. Well, we're not doing that, Honourable Speaker. We're saying school boards, hospitals, local governments, First Nations, you have land. We're going to provide the financing. Expedited approvals. We're going to build the housing that people can actually afford. And I agree, results are important. We have 15 times more housing underway than when Mr. Falcon, or when the Leader of the Opposition,
1: if only he had had been interested
3: in building housing, purpose built rental construction is up 878 percent under our government housing starts housing starts for people living at a record high up 86% since the BCUP leader sat on this side of the house honorable speaker and we know we got more to do and, and I just have to say the word student housing i know that side's going to go crazy because we built eight nearly 8000 units of student housing we've got underway or open for students how many did they do 130 in 15 years honorable speaker
1: Members, uh, when uh, asking questions or answering questions, no names, please. Just, yeah. A leader of the Official Opposition, second supplemental.
2: Thank you, uh, Mr. Premier, uh, Mr. Uh, Speaker. So, Premier, this is what it's come to. As you enter your eighth year in government, once again we hear a promise of 150,000 units to come. Well, here's the problem. They made a similar promise in 2017, 114,000 affordable housing units were supposed to be built in 10 years, and what did we get? 16,000 affordable units, 20% started under the BC Liberals, now BC United. So forgive me if I have some problem expecting and hoping that something might be coming in the future. People want results now, that's the problem. Mr. Speaker, the Gendo Asian Art Foundation in Richmond has collected community votes to name the Chinese character of the year. And the choice this year is rent or zoo, which demonstrates the abysmal results that we're seeing under this premier's failed housing policies. Now, this is what the foundation had to say when they selected uh, the term rent. And I quote, the ever-increasing cost of living, symbolized by rent, has made it increasingly difficult to afford suitable housing, leading to widespread dissatisfaction and disappointment. End of quote. So, what the premier and the NDP have never understood is, if you want to make housing more affordable, you have to make it less expensive. And instead of offering more excuses and finger-pointing. Will the Premier at least admit to one measure he can take to make housing more expensive in the budget and eliminate the provincial sales tax on all new residential housing in British Columbia?
1: Premier. Uh,
3: and thank you very much, Honourable Speaker. Um, I, I thank the member uh, for that important story about rent because, of course, the member will remember when he sat on this side of the house when annual rent increases came around, it wasn't enough to increase rent for people who have to rent by the amount of inflation. They added an extra 2% on to make people pay even more rent every year. So, you know, and when members on that side of the house heard about our measures to control rents during the pandemic, to keep rents under control during times of dramatic inflation, they were all over Twitter opposing basic protections for tenants. So I, I'm sure tenants would like to believe that the Leader of the Opposition is at this moment when he actually cares about rent, but I think he's got to do a lot more work to convince them, given his
1: record. Member for Kamloops, North Thompson.
4: Well, well thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. I, you know, it seems like only a week ago, it was this Premier that had to launch a government rent Subsidy program to subsidize rents for people making $190,000 a year to be able to afford rent in British Columbia. That's this Premier's track record on rents, Mr. Speaker. And amid soaring cost of living crisis on gas and yes, rent and groceries, all at record high levels, the Premier's response has been to pile on more and more pressure with 30 new and increased taxes under this NDP government's watch. These policies have imposed an additional $20 billion of taxation on taxpayers. It's hitting families hard when every tax dollar actually counts in their own household budget. This government is always taking more from people, never giving more back to people. So, again, with family budgets stretched to the maximum, Will the Premier finally listen to the official opposition and remove the carbon tax on home heating today?
1: Minister of Energy and Mines.
5: Thank, thank you, Mr. Speaker, and, and thank you to the member for the question. Because there's no doubt that people are struggling with the costs, the costs of gas prices yes but the cost of housing and absolutely housing has been the single largest contributor to the cost the, to inflation over the past year and that's a stat that's released by statistics canada mr speaker this government is working hard to keep life affordable for people reducing child care rates bringing back money on icbc providing a rebate on B.C. hydro bills, and we're going to stay focused on that, Mr. Speaker, because we know at the end of the day that's what counts for families in British Columbia. They want to know that they've got a government at their back. That is this government. We are going to continue to work hard for people, and we won't stop. Thank you.
1: Campbell's North Thompson Supplemental.
4: Well, well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Last month's uh, national inflation rate was 2.9 percent. Once again, BCO paced that at 3 percent. And guess what? In Saskatchewan, where they removed the carbon tax on home heating, they were 1.9 percent inflation rate compared to the national average. That is real results for homeowners, Mr. Speaker. Every single hollow announcement from this premier has utterly failed to provide relief for families. Half of British Columbians are $200 away or less from not being able to pay their bills at the end of every month. People actually need a break from the 30 new and increased taxes that this NDP keeps hammering them with. They need to get out of people's pockets and let them keep some more of their own money. That's why they could start by getting rid of the provincial fuel tax to put some of that money back in—14.5 cents a litre every time you go to fill up your car. Again, will the government commit today that eliminating the differential fuel tax is something that will happen in tomorrow's budget?
1: Minister of Housing.
6: Yeah, thank you so much, honorable speaker, and uh, no doubt about it. Uh, the member talked about inflation. The member talked about the challenges people are facing. We understand that, Honourable Speaker, and we know housing is a major challenge. We have seen significant amount of people come to British Columbia to make this place home. We welcome everyone, but we need to ensure we have housing available. Now, the leader of the opposition spoke about uh, their so-called housing plan. Uh, and What I did not see in the housing plan, Speaker, was anything Numbers. to increase supply. In fact, I went out to look to see what people were saying about their housing plan, and Members. I found that they said nothing. Members. People are saying nothing. People are not seeing this as a real Members. housing plan, Speaker. In Please. fact, the only person that I have seen comment is Sir Somerville from uh, UBC, who is a housing economist, who said, well, you know what, there's nothing more that BC United can do on supply of housing that the NDP has not already done, Our Speaker.
1: Members, 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 members. Members will come to order now, members. Minister will continue.
6: Thank you, Honourable Speaker. So we certainly know that there's uh, challenges when it comes to finding affordable housing in British Columbia. That's why we've launched a historic program in BC Builds, which will see us use government lands, government financing, to ensure that we have affordable housing for people in British Columbia. I'm glad that the federal government saw that this is the way forward, providing $2 billion in financing. And now, in fact, we're going to see provinces across the country adopt measures that we're doing here in British Columbia. We're proud of the work we're doing. We have a lot more work Honourable Speaker.
1: Leader of the Third Party. Leader of the Third Party.
7: Thank you, Honourable Speaker. And the topic today is very relevant, and I think all of us should be concerned with it. The rise of inequality in this province is indeed alarming. Billionaires and centimillionaires are thriving while more than half of British Columbians are within $200 of not being able to pay their bills. Our parents and elders are forced into homelessness while we see large corporations rake in record-breaking profits. Inequality harms the fabric of society, it harms our ability to build communities, and too much inequality leads people to give up on the democratic institutions and ideals that we are here to uphold and represent. In yesterday's throne speech, inequality wasn't mentioned once, and yet it poses one of the biggest risks to our society. It is the Premier's job to put a check on growing inequality. My question, through you, honorable speaker, is to the Premier, under his government's watch, the rich are getting richer, the poor are getting poorer. Is this his vision for BC?
3: Premier. Uh, thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker. And I thank the member for the question, and, uh, and welcome back to the House, to the, uh, the third party. Um, the, the, I find it astonishing the member sat through the whole throne speech and said that inequality wasn't in there. I mean, the, the speech was about making sure that every single British Columbian has access to the basics to build a good life here. It's housing, health care, education, child care. These are things that give people the opportunity to build a good life. And without that foundation, Honourable Speaker, yes, inequality will get worse. I uh, agree with the member, we need to be concerned to give everybody in this province the chance to build a good life here. And that was the entire content of the throne speech.
1: Leader of the Third Party Supplemental.
7: Thank you, Honourable Speaker. I think it's important to recognize that how we tell stories matters, and with the word inequality not being acknowledged, with the impact that inequality is having on the fabric of this province not being acknowledged, that's a challenge. Access to the basic services are not a certainty for the people of BC right now. People can't access health care. They can't find a family doctor. Their kids aren't getting the kind of services and supports they need in the public education system. And people are more and more turning to paying privately for services that we should be able to count on publicly. Our social safety net has so many holes in it. It's a high wire now. The rise of extreme inequality has provoked growing calls for a wealth tax on the super-rich, including from the federal NDP. There's no shortage of badly needed public investments that a wealth tax could help fund in B.C., and no shortage of support. Proposals for a wealth tax enjoy a massive public support in Canada, reaching 89% in public polling. My question through you, Honourable Speaker, is to the Premier. Will he be a champion for bringing in a much-needed wealth tax in Canada?
3: Premier. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. I agree with the Member that the uh, the costs uh, that face British Columbia families are critically important. That's a core focus of our government. Um, the Member will uh, see uh, in the budget materials a chart that's produced every year, that shows how, each year, we've driven down the costs for families. and It is focused on middle-income and low-income British Columbians, getting rid of the MSP, getting rid of the tolls on the bridges, bringing down childcare costs, addressing (laughs) ICBC rates, reducing rates for people who have to drive for work. These are important things that make a real difference for families, and uh, we're going to continue doing that important work for families. And uh, and yes, as a matter of fact, my name was all over my constituency on big signs uh, when we put the additional school tax on homes valued at more than $3 million. As we said, that those homeowners need to pay a little bit more to help provide the services British Columbians deserve. People that own a second home and leave it vacant need you to pay a tax to help offset the cost that you're putting on the rest of us. And I just fundamentally disagree with the Member's assertion that our government is supporting people paying more for private care. We're buying private clinics and opening them and running them, especially imaging clinics, running them 24 hours a day in the public health care system, so that people don't have to pay for them like they did when uh, those guys were sitting on this side of the house.
1: Leader of the Fourth Party.
5: Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. And, uh, my question is through you to, to the Premier. The Premier and this Government have indicated uh, that they were interested in changing the Land Act uh, to allow for joint decision-making. Now I understand that uh, the uh, Government has, has indicated that they do not plan to bring this forward uh, this spring, but that they do plan to do consultation, which means they are planning to bring it on after the next election. Mr. Speaker, shared decision making has been something we have done in this province for many years now. Um, accommodating, uh, dealing with First Nations is not perfect, but there are many things that have been done. I personally signed 435 agreements with First Nations during my time uh, in government. So my question to you, Mr. Speaker, through you to the to the Premier, is this: <clears throat> With the amount of pushback that is coming on the land issue, with the concern that we're hearing from the forest sector, from the agriculture sector, from all the resource sectors, from people who access the, uh, the back country. Is it this Premier's plan to do consultation and then bring in a change to the Land Act, should BC have the misfortune of another NDP government after the next election?
1: <laughs> Minister of Water, Land and thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I,
0: I thank my northern neighbour for his question. Uh, from the very beginning of the considerations around uh, amendments to the Land Act, we said we would take the time to get things right. We engaged with over 600
1: members members. members, Members.. We, Minister engaged, will continue. we
0: engaged with over 650 groups and leaders representing tens, tens of thousands of British Columbians, from the natural resource sector, from the fishing and hunting sectors, and on down the list. We heard three principal things from them. One is they did not want to return back to the days of conflict and courts that were expensive for everybody and did not advance this province. They wanted reconciliation to work. And thirdly, they asked that the timing and the pace of these particular changes needed more space, more conversation. This might be a foreign concept to my friends across the way. We actually Two things we dealt with in this issue is, one, to deal with the facts, not the misrepresentation of facts that were done. (laughs) The second, the second
1: sh- members, 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 wait for your turn to ask questions, please wait. The Let the minister continue.
0: That might be foreign to my friends across the way as we listened to people when they asked for more time, and that's exactly what we're doing. The goal, the goal of shared making, the goal of shared decision making is the goal of the Reconciliation Act, which my friend voted for, which everybody in this place at the time voted for. That requires us to do the difficult work of reconciliation, and that work requires us to provide the tools that enables us to work together for a better future for all British Columbians. Thank you.
1: Leader of the Fourth Party Supplemental.
5: Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker, and I thank the Minister for response. Uh, i asked for a commitment from the Premier, of course, and the Minister uh, gave us his response. The reality is this, Mr. Speaker. The Government of British Columbia is responsible for making sure that decisions are made on the land base for all British Columbians, taking all British Columbians' interests into consideration. When that decision-making is made jointly with First Nations, what you're talking about is First Nations making decisions that are in the interest of the First Nations, not for for all people in the province. That's why shared decision-making is so important versus joint decision-making, because ultimately it is the Crown's responsibility for Crown land to make decisions. And what the Minister has just said in terms of going forward with consultation, we heard this before. We heard this on the caribou issue up in the peace country. When the government said, after implementing, after implementing a policy and the pushback, they said, oh, we're going we're to delay and we're going to do consult- consultation. Well, all they did was kick the can nine months down the road and then implemented everything exactly it is to, against the will of the people in the north. Same thing with the Health Professions and Occupations Act. They brought in consultation on something, quite frankly, that had nothing to do with the Act, or hardly anything to do with the Act itself. Then the Act was just implemented, and they were surprised with the pushback. Mr. Speaker, this government has— a Member. This government has a pattern of going out to consult simply to kick the can down the road, try to release the pressure, and then implement their plans anyway. Mr. Speaker, this government should come clean. On what they're planning to do after the next election, should they happen to form government again, they should be clean with the people of British Columbia about whether they will be implementing joint decision making.
1: Premier.
3: Thank you. Uh, Thank you, hon. Chair. Premier. So uh, I wanted to get up on this question, Honourable Chair. The concern I have is that the view that has been advanced by the leader of the Conservative Party is a view that uh, the only way uh, to advance reconciliation in this province is to take something away from one person and give it to somebody else. And we know, we've seen it, that working in partnership with First Nations, we can lift all boats. Communities as a whole can prosper. We see that prosperous First Nations that have uh, the ability to generate uh, wealth and uh, economies further people contribute to the whole region this view that the only way to advance reconciliation is to take from you to give to you is not what we're experiencing in British Columbia and the member willfully ignores the legacy of defeats in court that this province has faced when nations come and assert their rights the most recently the blueberry river decision and the mineral tenure act decision these are huge issues for our provincial economy. We need to come to terms with nations in this province to make sure we're prosperous into the future. Pretending that this didn't happen, and he was the minister when the uh, he was a, a minister in a party that uh, was on deck when the Chilcotin decision was handed down, which declared t- uh, title over a huge portion of British Columbia issued from the bench with no preparation, uh, chaos on the land base. We can't afford that. The courts are so clear that we need a new approach, and the good news is that when we work together, amazing things can happen, and we actually improve life for everybody in the province. I hope the member has a look, frankly, a little bit at his own record and some of those agreements that he signed, and how transformative they were for nations, and how important they were for communities. And get away from this narrative that the only way we can build this province is by taking away from someone else, because we're all in this together. And that's how we built British Columbia.
8: Member Farskina. Mr. Speaker, I'm not uninformed or misinformed when it comes to Aboriginal issues. In fact, for 20 years, all I did was research case law as per Section 35 of the Constitution. In terms of the Land Management Act, That was not reconciliation. You actually pitted natives against non-natives for political purposes. The media had to track this down and disclose this to the public. In fact, if it wasn't for the BC United Party going to do town halls to try to explain we don't know what it's about, people wouldn't have had their voice. In fact, if anything, it should have been the NDP doing those town halls That's in 87 true. writings all across BC. That's what consultation is. And by the way, if you had stuck to your word in UNDRIP, you'd closed UNDRIP with a statement saying that it would be based on Section 35 of the Constitution and the pursuant jurisprudence. Well, the case law says that you have to consider society as a whole. How do you think LNG was achieved? There's no animosity against First Nations for that. How do you think forestry was achieved? Peace in the forest. There was no animosity because nobody was scared. They understood it. And the same time we were doing that, we uplifted First Nations and made BC stronger. Those 450 agreements we're talking about, that the BC United Party signed as the BC Liberals, I was sitting on the other side of that table. So, to claim that somehow I'm I'm uninformed? This chaos that you've created is all across BC, not just with non First Nations, but you did it to Blueberry and Doig River, who are taking BC to court for breaching every single principle of Aboriginal rights and title case law. It's one of the most dishonorable acts of government I've seen displayed in the last 20 years. How could you do that to Doig? How could you do that to to Halfway River? My question is to the Premier. Will the Premier do more than just pause his Land Act amendments and actually ensure land management decisions are fair, transparent and remain in the hands of the people for the public interest? First Nations and non-First Nations alike.
1: Minister of Water and Land.
0: Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. I I thank... We showed respect and listened to the question. I show respect.
1: Please, Thank you to my my friend from Skeena. Members,
0: please continue. I listened very carefully to his question. We've known each other a long time. The intent of the Declaration Act, the intent of the work, the work that we need to do together, I think he would agree. I greatly respect his experience, not just for his nation, the Heisla Nation, but in this broader conversation. It's an important voice to contain. He also well knows the legacy with respect to the numerous court cases that the province, over time, has consecutively lost. We don't need to enumerate them all. There are many. They have led to, I would argue, uncertainty with respect to industry, They have led to tensions between communities at times. What I would suggest is that our ability to walk together when it comes to the Land Act or other acts that we've amended, the Environmental Assessment Act, Child and Welfare, the list goes on, is going to be very determined on the will and the spirit that we bring to this conversation. I would say that what a harmful comment is that was insinuated by the leader of the Conservative Party, suggesting that when we do that work together with First Nations people, that that somehow brings down the interests and efforts of non-Indigenous people in this province. That is a false narrative, is one that we reject. To the betterment of all is a declaration and a vision of the nation whose territory I live in. I believe in that. I believe in their efforts to do that, as I believe in Indigenous governments when they engage with the province and use the tools that we are enabled to do under the Declaration Act to come to agreement, to avoid the conflicts, to avoid the courts. And to provide the predictability and the certainty that First Nations, industry, and our broader communities are looking for. Thank you, Mr. Speaker.
1: The balance the question period.